0: Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're discussing year-end fundraising and the ways people are learning, improving, and looking forward. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on October 7th. The topics covered relate to the theme of resiliency, which a lot of our educational content will revolve around for the remainder of this year and into next let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is our discussion moderator, Lauren Wolpin.
1: I think the first question is kind of open-ended, big picture. What have you learned about your organization this year through COVID, through working from home? um, Have you taken on any specific organization-wide reflection conversations? Uh, Have you just discussed internally about things you've all learned together? Um, Who might have been involved with those? Any thoughts or things to share about what you've learned about your organization?
2: Uh, Yes, Uh, I am the Executive Director of the Community Foundation of Fayette County. We're a small nonprofit located in um, southwestern Pennsylvania. And so we have, um, what I feel that we've learned as far as resilience, we are very adapt, we've adapted very quickly to, um, we had to work remotely for several months, we were in the process of uh, new software, thanks to FoundIt, <laughs> and um, so we quickly were able to pull some emergency funding together, and we actually were able to get some grants from larger foundations to create a mask initiative. Um, and all this happened within, you know, two months, I would say. So although we were small, we did what we, what we were able to do. Um, so that's what, that's what I've, I've learned from this.
1: Yeah, great. So I'm hearing kind of not being afraid to take on big new initiatives and kind of testing the limits of what you might be able to accomplish. That's great anything else?
3: Yeah, I'm with the Wyoming Community Foundation. We're the only statewide foundation. So, there are other foundations within the state, but um, they're usually located in or centralized to their county or community. Um, What I learned about um, our organization this year is that, you know, philanthropy is really like an an adaptive field to work in. Um, The checks and balances that you create, it was really interesting kind of learning or thinking about leading from the middle as a programs person or a grant maker. Not me being a grant maker, but, you know, I work within the programs position as a grant maker. that uh, you know, we have already like the tools and the checks and balances here at our foundation. Um, but you know, it, to kind of observe, I think what I noticed just um, how adaptable we are, but to observe um, how individually hard it was to witness our coworkers um, become you know, separated and isolated during this um, pandemic. And then how do we you know, continually, I think is a challenge, um, continue to, to come back together as a, as a team, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: great. Yeah, I've thought a lot about how community foundations really have this toolbox of resources to just be a super flexible philanthropic option for so many donors and it sounds like um, you're kind of thinking about that with your, t- your tools and your checks and balances and um, we might well, ask you to share a little more about your staff as well and kind of how that's been challenging what you've learned oh. from one another.
3: Well, like what I learned is, is that we're, I think, I think the field of philanthropy is an incredibly compassionate field to be in Um, from our donors to our staff to, to really working here. You have to continue. I mean, you're not, necessarily doing it for the money you're doing it for 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 the love of mankind and so um, just just kind of reminding each other hey we're human and we're all in this um, and we can't compare who's drowning in ten feet of water versus twenty feet we're all kind of drowning at different levels and um, we have to adjust and we have to adapt and um, just learning to kind of accept how how we communicate now and interpersonalize um, you know just it's interesting to see how you sit on a zoom panel like um, because the really quiet people in a board meeting get to remain quiet because they know how to put their head down and they do their body language, but in a Zoom, you can call them out for their, for their silence, really. And then also people that necessarily um, aren't always loudest in the room are on Zoom. It's, it's really interesting to see the dynamics of people change during a Zoom meeting versus when you got to have them in a staff meeting or a conference meeting or something like that. Great.
4: Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Rose Bell. I'm with the Community Foundation of Mendocino County in California. And kind of similar to what I'm hearing, we also, we've been um, working remotely for over seven months now. And we, uh, within a month of our shelter in place order, launched a COVID-19 relief program um, that has evolved, which was quite challenging to have a remote team launching an entirely new program, but one of the lessons that was so great is because of our disaster relief work from the fires in the previous years, we had some systems and we had some um, familiarity with what it took to launch something like this that we were able to rely on and kind of lean into a little bit to build um, a system that was responsive for COVID, even though it was a a new kind of disaster. So I think that really helped. We also had the trust of our donors, which has been really incredible because there's that fear when the pandemic hit that people would be um, perhaps not as generous because we don't know what the financial future is going to look like. And instead, they really stepped up and believed that we knew our community well enough to know how to help. And so I think the work we've done over the past 25 years in developing those donor relationships really came to the fore when it was time to launch a new program and ask for money in the middle of a pandemic. And then one last little thing I was gonna share, because we have all been working remotely, is um, for the most part it's worked well, but we realized what we were missing was something like the uh, water cooler talks you know those those things that that just kind of happen here and there throughout the day um, where you can solve problems without it being a meeting it's just kind of passing by and so we started having very informal kind of coffee meetings where you know I would just text a coworker and say like hey you want to take a coffee break for 10 minutes and we would hop on zoom with a cup of tea or whatever and just talk about whatever it didn't even have to be about work but so often it's solved or 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 resolved issues that we were having just by having that kind of timeout. So that's been a really good lesson for us as well.
1: Thanks so much, Rose. You touched on one of the things I've had noted here, which is really what have you learned about building confidence among your donors? And it sounds like kind of you've relied on a lot of the work um, you've been doing over the last 20 years as a foundation. Is there anything particular that you kind of have thought about in terms of instilling confidence in your donors?
4: I think part of it is sharing out our messaging that we do in our leadership work, obviously both in our grant making work, but in really um, we were the we chaired the disaster recovery team for the 2017 fires that impacted our community. And so I think by just sharing out some of that leadership work and sharing out some of our, the ways that we stay engaged in all regions of our county um, has helped instill in our donors a belief that we know kind of what's happening on the ground and where the resources are most needed.
1: Great, thank you so much.
5: Hi, everybody. Um, Linda Gebhardt from the Community Foundation of Southern Wisconsin. Uh, We cover the whole bottom part of the state. We're nine counties. um, And it's just a gorgeous fall day here. It's about 70 degrees and the leaves are turning, so it's a great day. I think one of the things we've really learned from this, we are still all working remotely other than, and in between all that, our main office moved into a smaller office space. One of our other remote offices had to move into a different space because they lost their office space. So, but I think we go on Zoom two times a week. Um, I think it's almost, I think we almost talk more now than we did before because Mm -hmm. we all are used to working in different offices. We have... We still have the main office still. There's only 11 employees, but they're still working every other day, so everybody's not in the office at the same time. We, I think one of the things, like the water cooler thing was kind of nice, but what what we have now, we have ONSIP, so we can just dial through our laptops and talk to everybody on the phone. Um, Our donors now, they can still call me and get me on the phone because I don't have a... You know, the work number goes to my laptop now. Um, I think we're being very productive as far as that. Um, I think we've learned to work more together. I was part of, we have a very small, Lafayette is one of my counties, it's very small. It's a 15,000 people in the entire county. And I was part of the mask initiative with that and helping on that. So we had a 16,000 mask challenge. So we've been sewing thousands and thousands of masks. Um, I've only sewed a few hundred. I haven't sewed thousands. But we do have somebody that's sewed like several thousand. So um, I think it's really pulled everyone together with making the best of what they can do. And I think our foundation has stood very strong and we're growing and we're still getting a lot of good response from our donors and a lot of masking how they can help. Great,
1: thanks so much Linda. Yeah, good, good to hear you're learning about new technologies to help your work too, um, and stay connected that way.
6: Hi, um, I'm Betty Stammerjohn, I'm with the Community Foundation of Greene County, Pennsylvania, uh, neighbor to Renee at Fayette County. And one of the things that I, I, I wanted to say, uh, and somebody else already just sort of said it was, one of the things I've learned through this is that our donors are resilient Mm -hmm. and, and I've also learned they're not afraid to contact via email, you know, and and to do donor development via email or, or, or chat or, um, or, you know, not just phone and not just, Hey, I've got to meet you in person. and, and it's been really interesting, you know, going through, talk, you know, chatting with donors that, um, you know, have, have an interest in, in setting up a fund, you know, and they want to do something now, uh, you know, it's not just the emergency fund or, you know, small gifts or things like that, but, you know, they, they, they want to do it, you know, cause I've said, you know, let's talk, you know, here <laughs> and they just keep talking on the, on the email. I just, I just find that really fascinating because yeah. just so different from what we've always talked about as in donor development.
1: For sure, Betty. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the call. I've thought about this a lot too, just in terms of how, um, any sort of real fundraising role is really focused on that in-person visit, the face-to-face connection, um, fundraisers whose only job has been to meet with people, travel around and meet with people are now doing all this work virtually. So good to hear that your donors are resilient as well and able to kind of adapt to this new way of working with your foundation.
7: I'm the executive director of the Community Foundation of Johnson County, which is located in Iowa City, Iowa. And I just wanted to add that um, our 2020 was our 20th anniversary year, and so we had planned a you know celebration with our community, but obviously those plans had changed. But really the silver lining that we found is during this 20th anniversary year, we've really been able to demonstrate why a community foundation is so valuable um, serving an area based on the work that we've done. You know, We've done an emergency response fund, of course, but we've also found lots of opportunities to partner with other organizations and other needs in the community to really demonstrate our ability to convene and, you know, be a good community partner. And so our theme um, that we've really come out with, you know, we've been working on our annual report is the power of yes, which is our work with others. You know, we've, we've been putting the plane together while we've been flying it basically. And so we don't have all the details obviously worked out in the beginning, but you know, we all work together and just everyone comes together and says yes, and we figure out how to make things work. And one example of that is a project that was called the Food With Love Project. We had a number of restaurants that had closed. So they had idle capacity And then in the community, we had a need for freshly prepared meals that needed to go to um, shelters. And those had those individuals who had also been put into uh, hotels um, needing to socially distance and be isolated. And so this food with love project was created that these restaurants created fresh prepared meals. And then we partnered with the nonprofits for the distribution of these meals. And another great thing that happened um, through that work is that the city of Iowa city loaned um, one of their employees to assist with the logistics of this project. Uh, This person was the director of the senior center uh, in Iowa city and that was closed. And so the city administrator loaned uh, this person to help with that project. So it just all around was such a great community partnership and the community foundation was just really honored to kind of play that fiduciary role in helping that work move forward. But that, that power of yes, getting to yes was so powerful for us. So thanks for letting me share.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Shelley. I have definitely talked to uh, several clients who've had those big kind of anniversary events happening this year as well. And it's a great opportunity to kind of take on a new initiative um, or theme like that. I love that power of yes. Um, And just kind of overall, I've heard some really great comments about your learning in terms of not being afraid to take on something new and big and different. And then also kind of building off of your past experience and leadership to really build that confidence among your donors. Um, All great, great comments and stories.
3: So, I saw within the chat from Lauren asking about um, to connect with organizations re- running masks initiatives, and that was another thing is is that we at the Wyoming Community Foundation kind of went through this really big. Um, transition of a while back that we do not implement programs. We support programs through our grant making, but, you know, very rarely do we have like, do we like, you know, put in, put on a spelling bee, but we'll, you know, fundraise to help support things like that. So um, it was a really interesting thing because with our mask initiative, what happened was, is that um, we realized that we had a huge shortage of masks in the state of Wyoming. And so all over the state, we did get one donor who was willing to kind of support the mask, uh, mask initiative, however it needed to happen. So in Sheridan County, County, there was a maker space there that we became aware of that was actually willing to work on um, on those mask materials and then um, they were also able to to make those masks and then here over in Albany County we had a small business that had to close its doors and they were willing to sew masks at a really low price um, and then on the River Indian Reservation we were actually able to hire out seamstresses send them the halyard material and then pay them three dollars per mask to sew those as well. So we were able to like kind of um, do many different programs and implement and execute these programs across the state, which was really interesting, um, considering that that's not something we do, but it was one of those moments in, in, in dire crisis when we absolutely needed to get the masks to the state.
1: Wow, Anita, I love that story. It's, it's such a broad reaching way to help the community um, around this one really specific um, initiative. That's great. Mm-hmm. So when we think about resilience, you know, we want to take what we've learned and then be able to adapt and improve and kind of um, approach things differently based on our learning and having that open mind, um, considering new things. We've already talked about some of the new efforts people have taken on this year and things that have been super successful. And I'm sort of curious, like compared to your normal end of year, uh, how that typically goes, whether, you know, you have a calendar year end or fiscal year end at a different point in the year. December, November, December is always really busy as people approach the holiday season. Are you approaching any new collaborations or communication strategies? Is there anything that you typically do for the end of year every year that's changing Um, and kind of going along those lines? I've been thinking a lot about storytelling, too. We've already told some really great stories. Um, Are there different ways you're approaching storytelling around what's happened this year, Um, especially around COVID and, of course, around the themes of gratitude and joy for this holiday season? So kind of thinking about the next um, few months ahead uh, and kind of how uh, your learning has informed your plans for this end of year. Um, Does anyone have anything to share?
3: I was just thinking about like that storytelling playing a role. So um, the communications, week, we have different departments and then we have within the programs team, those that kind of co-collaborate those discussion pieces. Um, and so with our storytelling, we were able to really um, actually implement an entire COVID grant cycle every week that happened. And we created a COVID committee, we fundraised, and then we redistributed a lot of money. It was actually like a whole extra job on top of our regular job while working from home during a pandemic. So You know, I didn't realize how crazy it got, but stepping back from from these awesome storytelling pieces that we were able to tell. As a program staff member, I realized that there's gonna be other crises. Um, you know, there was an immediate needs fund that happened in 2008 when that um, economic downturn happened. And you know, we didn't have as, as great of a path or as a, um, a you know, like that trail. So uh, I just recently at a programs meeting was talking about how important it is for us to kind of discuss those, prof, uh, those processes and, and where things could go wrong. So that we can tell a story that if and when, because it will, I hate to say that, um, another something like this happens, it might not be a pandemic, but it could be a fire right next to our our little country town, you know, um, or a house burns down or something, you know, but we have to implement emergency need funds right then and there and how we distribute those and where the where the process can get hinked up or where we might overspend or or where we might, um, you know, underspend even. Um, so just thinking about that, I was thinking about, and then also really implementing that going from um, program, we always kind of did outcome-based, I mean, even with our grant general operating, we wanted final reports and outcome-based grant-making to just this trust-based grant making and saying hey like we know that you're you're drowning right now in this crisis and how can we help so that was exciting to kind of think that i'm going to get to leave that piece of information for future program staff great thanks so much
2: so um what what we found was that although we are a small community foundation we do have about 180 funds that individuals created but what we did not have is an unrestricted grant-making fund. Um, Over the last couple years, we had talked about, oh, we really need to do this. Um, We can't always use, you know, our general operating for this. So over the last couple years, we, we have been selling kind of like the tagline of building a stronger Fayette, and we put out on our newsletters and in our annual report a little section of Building a Stronger Fayette, whereas we tell our grantees stories of what, you know, our grant did for them. Um, So that's going to be the focus of our year-end giving, to tell those stories of how we've helped the grantees, and also um, the ask would be to support the um, Building a Stronger Fayette Fund.
1: That's great. What a great, um, moment and time to kind of take advantage. I've heard a lot of clients, you know, who maybe had never done an unrestricted fund before this is the year to do that. Um, is there anything you're thinking about already with how you're planning to use the money that you raise into that fund?
2: Um, so my plan, I would, I would like to do is to have it partially endowed, which we already, it was, it we already have it, um, created from a gift from some, someone, and so what my plan is to hopefully endow a portion of each gift that comes in, and then also be able to spend a portion of it through our general grant making each year, um, so that's, that's what I would like to see happen, too, <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that.
1: Thanks so much, Renee.
8: I was just going to say that we, I found recently as our, um, nonprofit endowment partners are starting to think about their, um, year-end fundraising goals, we've had a lot reaching out to us, um, asking for like different materials and verbiage and just things that they might share through their channels for their, um, donors to direct them you know either towards direct giving or towards donor advice funds or, or benefiting endowments um, and honestly it's not something that we've really ever had before just being a smaller community foundation there we don't you know obviously don't have a like a marketing person to put
9: all of those things together but i'm starting to look into especially as we're um you know not able
7: to have as many face-to-face meetings with donors um what should that look like so That's sort of on our radar.
1: Great. Thanks. And what foundation were you with?
8: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm with the Billings Community Foundation. (laughs) Great. Thank you.
1: Um, Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. How can you support your nonprofit partners in their end of year giving as well? And I sort of think about um, the idea of sort of a toolkit or just like a knowledge base of verbiage. It sounds like that's what they're looking for, like how to talk about COVID, how to talk about what's going on in the community. Uh, that's really interesting to think about. Lauren, I'd be curious to know down the road kind of how that works out for you all um, later this year.
10: My name is Carla Ludholtz. I'm with the Community Foundation in North Central Wisconsin. So we're right in the center of the state. Um, And I guess, you know, as I'm thinking about this, you know, we as an organization, um, you know, did similar things, putting together, um, aligning with, uh, putting together a fund and aligning with United Way to do a COVID fund and and really pleased because that raised over $500,000. So I'm really happy about that. I think the, the key now, though, when you think about storytelling and end of year giving, it's really the, the balance between um, the thank you for the, you know, the outpouring and still um, addressing the fact of, of COVID, which is the elephant in the room, but balancing that with the, um, the thank you, um, with the uh, continued need um, for funding um, to do great things. Uh, So that's kind of the balance. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do with that is really pull in more stories. And and our marketing staff, who's also on this call, Jenna, did an amazing job during the COVID piece of really, um, really raising the bar with people and faces and stories about impact. People remember stories. And so that really raised the level of awareness of who we are, and and, uh, we have a great reputation, but it really raised the bar of who we are and what we were doing here in the community. So I really see this continuing as we move forward with the end-of-year giving um, with a storytelling piece, and we are going to be able to um, position something with a a match, which is not a match is a new concept, but it's an exciting concept for this time of year for us. Um, to be able to position a match where we'll be able to um, highlight a donor and that has really understood the process and, and, and the value that a uh, community foundation brings to a community um, to um, match new dollars. And so kind of that, that balancing act with you know with the thank you, addressing COVID, still focusing on the need, but making it a little exciting as well for somebody that may want to increase a gift or somebody that would give a new gift and, uh, of course, having, a, you know, some type of a, a one pager that kind of gives a snapshot, kind of pulls all the numbers and stats and other pieces separate from the letter. And John is doing a great job with that. So I think that's the kind of thinking that, that we have to have. And we'll see how that goes. I, I'm, I'm excited about it, excited that we get to use the match. Um, I'm really pleased with the way that the stories are starting to position us even more in the community as well.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Carla. I guess that brings up some questions for me, for you, and perhaps others with marketing teams and maybe more ability and resources on storytelling. Have you taken on any new storytelling vehicles like video or (laughs) online platforms, things that you haven't done before that maybe were new experience this year when it comes to telling your story?
10: Well, I'll tell you what, you may have to take somebody else off of mute because this is not my area for me to take any credit for. So when I referenced Jenna, who's on this call with us, she is our marketing staff, and Jenna has really owned that. So a lot of video, lots of use of video, um, but I really need to turn that to Jenna because I think that has really, it's just brought us out in the forefront, and a lot of that was through social media. In a variety of ways and some really fun ways. So, if you want to mute me and unmute Jenna Weeks, Jenna, not to put you on the spot, but you're the one that's doing a great job with
11: that for us from a marketing standpoint. You get the credit for that. Thanks for putting me on the spot, Carla. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we opened our COVID fund in March, and right away it was a partnership with our local United Way. Um, We really utilized a lot of video, so we um, asked all of our nonprofits who received grants from our COVID fund to send us video thank yous that we could share on our social media, but as well as email blasts to the donors to the fund. Um, We really wanted to make sure that we were being timely in our thank yous and in our acknowledgments of those donors because, you know, We had donors who came from United Way, but also who came from our end with Community Foundation. So we wanted to make sure we were timely in that. But um, I would say the biggest thing was video that we introduced that seemed to really connect well with our nonprofits, but also our audiences on social media and our database. Um, Another thing that um, I had thought of when we were discussing helping our nonprofits is we actually are utilizing our... Um, giving catalog through C Suite to offer um, to our community different nonprofits who are in need of help right now, and so we have that running, and that's been a resource through Foundant that we found super helpful during this time for our nonprofits.
1: Great, thank you so much. Yep, definitely have heard a lot of use of the grant catalog this year, and. Great to hear about your video experience, having a nonprofit send you videos instead of you having to bring a video team to them. Um, I think COVID has given us permission to maybe be a little more flexible in how we
8: pursue some of those communications channels. Um, This is Sam from Park City Community Foundation in Park City, Utah Um, and I have lots of responses to lots of folks comments and I've been trying to take notes so um, feel free to cut me off whenever you want but um, I think it was maybe Renee who had said that they were looking at growing an unrestricted annual giving program Um, and we actually have a quite robust um, annual giving program at um, Park City Community Foundation. Um, with a 1.2 million dollar um, goal on that, and um, and with that, you know we we put out an annual report that tells lots of stories about the different things that we're doing to support the community, um, and then and then through the annual report, kind of tell those stories, and then um, turn that around into an annual appeal. So our annual report timing. Um, it's starting to feel a little bit wonky to us because our fiscal year is also the calendar year, but we just put out our annual report um, this past week at Hit Mailboxes. Um, And then um, next week, um, our annual appeals will hit mailboxes, and they are um, specifically appeals... um, asking for support of the community foundation. Um, And, you know, we certainly have funds that folks can select themselves into that are a little bit more specific areas of interest, but for the most part, it's a quite successful program. I think through our appeal program last year, we raised over $40,000. And um, let's see what else. Someone had said something about, wanting to support nonprofits in their year-end giving and all of that. Um, We also do this at a wonky time of year, um, but we're hosting our giving day um, on November 6th. And um, through Live PC, Give PC, it's one of um, our our best days in our community. Um, Last year, we raised $2.5 million for all of the nonprofits um, and really push our marketing um, throughout the community to just join in the day of giving in any way, shape, or form. You know, no donation is too small, too big. Um, and that participation is really our goal with our giving day, which we have shifted from over the past few years, a dollar goal to a participation goal. And in doing so, we were kind of worried about capping out on our dollars raised, but shifting to a participation goal has actually helped us raise those um those dollars. Um so our goal, um, and this is also kind of part of our social equity initiative, is just participation. Like if you use the trails, can you give five dollars? If you, you know, anything that you do in our community that's supported by nonprofits, um, you know, how can how can you give back whatever is meaningful to you? And I think that this kind of low approach, low uh Low barrier approach has been really great for our community. Um, we also have a huge influx of newcomers to the mountains as folks are fled, fleeing cities um, right now. And so we're also really working um, on marketing to these newcomers that have have come to town. Um, what else what do I have written down here our, um we enacted a community response fund. Um, pretty much the day everything shut down in March here and um, we had this kind of pre-built um, from lessons that were learned at the CF United Conference in 2018 um, and we're able to just really flip a switch and start marketing it and um, since, them ha- since then have raised um, 3.5 million dollars um, for our community and have granted out um, I think close to close to two with another million that has to go out before the end of the year as part of the CARES Act. Um, But with all of those donors that came in through our community response fund, I would say more than 60% of them are completely new donors to us. And so we're working on figuring out how to convert these these crisis donors into um, annual donors to any of our other funds. Um, and so specifically made an annual appeal for this population of folks that says, thank you so much for supporting us in this time of crisis. You know, we couldn't be here um, without un- unrestricted support from our community. Please consider a gift um, this fall. And so this is a new, a new marketing drive for us, but um, we're hopeful that it will um, have a, a good return. Um, and end of your matches too. somebody also just mentioned this, this had come up for us last year in January, or I guess this year in January, um, that it was a good idea. And um, This year, just in um, these crazy times. We've had some super generous folks step forward and more or less offer these up without having to do a whole lot of work, which is obviously our favorite kind of gift. Um, but, um, We so we have matches on a few of our specific funds. We also have matches for our part time community, which is um, about 50% of our our population only lives here two weeks a year or less, or maybe a month a year. Um, And so specifically for those folks who don't call this their full time home, we have some outreach there because most of those folks um, have quite expensive houses in our community. and I think I've hit most of the things um, that I was trying to say.
1: <laughs> great, thank you so much, Sam. Thanks for patiently waiting too. I that's so much great work this year, and I especially like the idea of tying those small gifts to social equity initiatives and kind of getting everyone involved in the way that they can to support the community. Um, great messaging there, for sure.
9: Hi, I'm Rachel Myers. I work at. The Whatcom Community Foundation in Bellingham, Washington. We're up in the northwest corner of the northwest, us noted up against Canada. And um, one a of, couple of things I wanted to share. This has been awesome. Thank you, everyone else who shared. I've been writing notes. Uh, but a few things about kind of um, it's not business as usual. And so any new communication strategies, uh, two things that we Um, have just started to use that I wanted to share with others in case they were interested. Uh, The first tool that we started using a couple months ago is called a tool called Gratavid, G-R-A-T-A-V-I-D. It's an online subscription software that basically creates a really easy way to send um, personalized videos, uh, thank you videos, or update videos, or what a, whatever kind of videos you want to send um, out that are branded very nicely out to your donors or partners. So we were really, like many, like everyone, thinking, okay, we're not going to be able to do face-to-face meetings um, for a while. We are working remotely and have been since March. Um, most of our donors um, are falling into risk categories where they don't want to meet um. You know, face to face, which I understand. And so these are little just thank you. Thank you videos. If you go go to their website, you can you can take a look at it. But you what I always do on these just a really quick tip is I write the person's name on a piece of paper and hold it up next to my face while I'm thanking them because you can uh, What happens is, is you can actually embed these little videos um, into any email you send out and they create a little GIF. In the email so you're you're moving so they can see the person who's receiving the email hey this is specifically for me this isn't just a generic um, video so anyway that's one thing and then another thing that we have started using is called kudo board and that is a great way to do like um, it's a check it out but essentially you can put pictures and messages and videos up to um, celebrate people. So we've had a few people retire from our board or, or retire you know, staff wise and you can't have parties, right? Like there's no parties. And so the Kudo board is a way for people to put their, you know, their good wishes and photos and, and um, meet messages of all kinds onto a virtual platform that feels fun and fresh and makes the person feel appreciated. So I just wanted to share those two tools.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. That was kudo board. Like you're giving someone kudos. Yeah. K-E-O yeah. K-E-O board. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So yeah, gratitude and kudo board. Great to share resources like that you've discovered this year. Thank you. Um, all right, let's move on. The last topic, looking forward, uh, thinking about, you know, with so much uncertainty, especially this month, are you starting to plan for 2021? Um what might be your triggers of things you're waiting for, um, if not? And then um, kind of thinking through your what you've done differently this year. What are you going to keep doing? What do you hope to never have to do again? Uh, you probably had some wins and some losses. And then how do you think your team will work differently uh, into the next year and with uncertainty going around Um, any contributions kind of thinking ahead into next year?
8: Um, I guess just one quick thing I'll share as we're thinking ahead right now, we're in strategic planning is um, really with regards to events and how to engage with our donors. And I think we're really planning to do a bit of, um, Hoping to do a bit of in person as well as some um, webinar type events, but with the hope that we'll be able to be more in person, we've been all webinars since March. Um, With the hope that we'll be all in or be able to be in person, we'd like to get back to some in person kind of gatherings, but we've also really, really found the value in webinars and being able to reach out to a much larger audience um, and hopefully engage a larger audience. Um, whereas in-person events, even pre-COVID, kind of had a cap on the number of attendees that could come.
1: Yeah, great. The unlimited
4: participation. What else do we have? I just wanted to echo um, those last words. We. We normally have check receptions that we do all the way around our county, so we have seven of them in each region of our county, and obviously we couldn't do those this year, and so trying to find a way to still celebrate those grantees and honor those donors, we did like a Facebook series that um, ended up being a bit of work (laughs) on the back end, but um, where each day we featured a different grantee and acknowledge the donor and said a little something about the program. And we actually got a lot of really positive response from people that um, may have only attended one of those check receptions in one of the regions, and therefore only have heard about a few grantees, whereas this way they got to see the full scope of what we did over the year um, in our grant making, and it really had an impact. So that's something that even though we did it because of the pandemic, we're gonna try and continue to do that in the future even once um, uh, gatherings are allowed again because it was a way to reach a broader audience and share some of the work we do.
1: Great, thank you. So if there aren't any more comments or questions, I think this has been a really wonderful conversation. I really appreciate everybody's participation. And always feel free to reach out to your partners here at Foundant um, as you're thinking about new initiatives into the next year as well. Thanks so much, everybody.
0: So that was our conversation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this, following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Foundant Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful. And we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk,